Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. We've made it to Wednesday. It's September 16th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. An exclusive on how much insurers are paying out because of violent protests. And how to be better at all those Zoom calls. But first, the historic peace agreement with Bahrain, Israel, and the UAE is today's one big thing. This day is a pivot of history. It heralds a new dawn of peace. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was in Washington yesterday to commemorate new peace accords with UAE and Bahrain, the first Arab states in a quarter century to normalize relations with Israel. Axios contributor Barack Ravid was also at the White House and is here to explain why that was just the beginning. And now the challenge is to really start building it, not peace between leaders that sign documents, but peace between people. Real cooperation on agriculture, on the economy, on security, on COVID. So now the the challenge will be to start really doing something with this. And we saw those challenges yesterday, right? Because Palestinian militants fired rockets from Gaza into Israel. How do you see this affecting Israeli-Palestinian relations? The Palestinians are in a huge crisis and so many things are happening without them. And they're isolating themselves instead of trying to find a way out of the situation through dialogue. And I think that The Palestinian response to all the events that we've seen in the last several months from the annexation and the agreements that were signed yesterday at the White House, their uh, reaction is really counterproductive. Obviously, Prime Minister Netanyahu is facing significant domestic problems at home in Israel. How important is this diplomatic win for his administration? This is his biggest achievements for sure. And this comes in the midst of a a huge economic crisis because of the COVID crisis. And it comes also amid his corruption trial. And 20,000 people demonstrate every weekend. So he came here on the one hand to his biggest achievement. And on the other hand, after his biggest failure, the way that he handled the COVID crisis, as we are now weeks away from the election. How significant do you think this is for President Trump? The United Arab Emirates, they came to Trump and told him, listen, if you stop the annexation of the West Bank, we will normalize with Israel. And and then the White House said, wow, that's a good idea. Let's do it. And this wow effect is what Trump needed in order for this ceremony yesterday to get ratings and to show that he had a huge foreign policy achievement. And by the way, he did have a pretty big foreign policy achievement. As someone who has written and reported on this for such a long time, I wonder what you took away from yesterday's events. I've been dealing with this stuff for 15 years already. And I wrote a lot about Israel's secret relationships with the Arab world. And after years of doing this, it's not a secret anymore. It's a completely normal relationship. And, you know, I went to Abu Dhabi last week, which is somewhere that I wanted to go for years and I couldn't because I only had an Israeli passport. And all of a sudden I'm coming to the airport with the Israeli passport and everything's okay, and they're welcoming me. So for me personally, it's a very moving moment. Barack Ravid is a contributor to Axios. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the insurance bill for this summer's violent protests.
Welcome back to Axios Today. This summer, there were widespread protests across America, and most were peaceful. But the few violent protests and looting caused lots of damage. How much? We don't have an exact count, but anywhere from $1 to $2 billion in insured losses. That's according to an exclusive from Jennifer Kingston, Axios's managing editor for business. This is the most expensive rioting in insurance history. What stands out about it is that it happened not just in one city, as all prior such incidents have, but throughout the entire country. So, Jennifer, I think to the listener, to me, $2 billion is a lot of money. But to the insurance industry, how much is $1 to $2 billion in insured losses when this compares to, for example, natural disasters? It's a drop in the bucket. You look at Hurricane SAS, and that will cost 3 to $5 billion in insured losses at current estimates. When it comes to wildfires, the estimate, and this is very early in the fire season, is $1.5 billion, but we know that that's going to go way, way up. Jennifer, you and I have talked in the past about business insurance when it comes to business interruption insurance and the pandemic. Is it easier to get losses covered if you have your business damaged because of civil unrest? Such an interesting contrast. So many companies have tried to file business interruption claims because they had to close due to the pandemic. Nearly every single one of them has been turned down. They've said, your business interruption policy does not cover a pandemic. There was no damage to your property. This is a totally different story. Your store was looted. You've got business interruption. We'll pay you. No questions asked. Jennifer Kingston is the Managing Editor of Business for Axios. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Nyla. Great to talk to you. It's been about six months since the pandemic was declared a national emergency. And since then, I think it's safe to say that those of us who have office jobs are suffering from a bit of Zoom fatigue. Erica Pandy is here with me on Zoom. ironically, to give us three tips for how to survive this Zoom world. So I called up a work psychologist at Clemson, Marissa Shuffler-Porter, and I asked her what can make these Zoom meetings a little bit better. And she had a couple of things. And one thing that stresses a lot of people out is having those cameras on all the time. And if companies set a culture of turn off that camera or, you know, only turn it on the beginning when you say hi, that could be very beneficial. Another thing is that we have a default of scheduling meetings in one-hour time slots, but these Zoom meetings don't have to all be one hour. If you have someone who's working an office job, they could conceivably have a day where they have eight one-hour Zoom meetings and they're on Zoom for eight hours. So I think that thinking through before you schedule a Zoom meeting, could this be a 15-minute meeting is really good. And then, you know, just like you and me, Nyla, there are people who are starting new projects and new things at work with people that they have never met before. You know, you joined Axios after this pandemic craziness started, and we've never actually met in person. So in those Zoom meetings, it's actually very important to schedule some time to talk freely, talk about non-work-related things. I think on Zoom, we all have this kind of let's get down to the business attitude that psychologists say we should do away with. Thank you, Erica. Thanks, Nyla. Before we end today's episode. Hi, it's Kim Kardashian West. 
who happens to have the seventh most followed account on Instagram. But today, her 188 million followers won't be seeing any posts from her there or on Facebook. It's part of a campaign to stop hate for profit, organized by the NAACP and the Anti-Defamation League. And along with two dozen other celebrities, Kim Kardashian West is joining in the protest of Facebook and the way the social media giant handles hate and misinformation on their platforms. That does it for us today. You can reach your team at podcasts at axios.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. And we'd also love it if you'd share the show with someone you think might appreciate it. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.